Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Welcome to the Dead Zone. Once again, the week between Christmas and New Year's where everybody's kind of checked out. If you're at an office or at work, you're probably not doing a lot of work. You may have taken off and you're at the house doing a whole bunch of nothing here in the Dead Zone. As I've called it for years and years, I used to take off work and I'd be bored and everybody would be at work having fun sitting around because there are not many expectations of anybody here in the dead zone. But it's a bit, bit of a different look here. Nation of Jake in for Tony Katz on Tony Katz today in the dead zone. Uh, this year, amid a pandemic, uh, 2020 being the worst year ever, b- a bit of a different feel. I mean, things are still going on in the news. It just depends on how many people are paying attention to the import of the news. We had a bombing, a Christmas morning bombing in downtown Nashville, Tennessee. And it might have been like the fifth biggest story. That was so odd, wasn't it? Ari Castle, did you read about the Nashville bombing? I read some of it. It was really, really weird. It was real weird. The story was weird. But what was weirder about it is it didn't even feel like a big story. Maybe because it happened on Christmas and fewer people were paying attention. But even so, I think that there's something bigger going on here. And we'll get into some of the details. They do have a suspect and are looking for a motive in the Nashville. We're talking about downtown Nashville. I've got many good friends who have fled Memphis to Nashville. And I was talking to them on the phone, and then the phone would cut out. And then I get a text that says, oh, yeah, by the way, the, the bombing knocked out all the cell service around here, so it's spotty. And just talking about it so nonchalantly, it's it's very odd, a really weird story. First thing is you got to find out who did it. So what race or political uh, uh, group you can blame it on. That That's really what the first thing was. Everybody was just hoping, oh, please don't let it be a guy who could be linked to me somehow by our skin color or our political leanings. Because that's where our brains are here in 2020. Uh, Plenty to talk about in the dead zone. You know, a lot of radio hosts tend to just do year in review stuff, kind of mail it in. Because, again, who's listening to the radio? It's just people kind of hanging out. It's you guys. And and you're important. That's why I don't mail it in in the dead zone. I am full on 99 miles an hour in the dead zone. Always. We're going to talk about, I don't know, how, how I can help save your life. At least two and a half hours of your life. A little bit later. Uh, also, I'm kind of obsessed with this coronavirus vaccine. You know, big news just a couple of months ago. I think I was with you on Tony Katz today. Uh, Nation of Jake, once again, in for Tony Katz on Tony Katz today. I think I was with you uh, shortly after the vaccine was announced. And now it's out. People are getting the vaccine. I did some reading uh, over Christmas about how this vaccine works compared to other vaccines. And it is brilliant. Nobel Prize kind of research went into this. This is groundbreaking stuff. And I want to kind of put it in uh, layman's terms how this works. I think it's really neat. Uh, the, the big news today is uh, late last night, Donald Trump has decide, decided to sign this stimulus package. Uh, the second stimulus in light of the coronavirus pandemic. The first package, I remember in March... Trillions of dollars was spent 
for coronavirus relief. I think Americans got something like $1,200 for individuals making $75,000 or less, uh, double the threshold for married couples. And I think per child, you got like 500 bucks. I remember my take, and I'll I'll put it out there. I got $3,400 in my bank account one day. And I was like, wow, that was that was pretty great. I mean, now I didn't need any relief. I didn't, and, and my numbers are different than they were in 2019. They're using 2019 tax returns to determine how much you make and how many children you have. And those numbers change. So the government is using outdated numbers to give relief to Americans. And that's just keep that in mind when we talk about this coronavirus relief package that the president has decided to sign. All right. And that that news is just out. He he was kind of dragging his feet on it. Donald Trump said, no, no, no. Six hundred dollars is not enough. Two thousand dollars. I'm like two thousand dollars per person. And people may or may not need it, but everybody's going to get it. I'm, I'm setting this all up just to illustrate how inefficient the government is at helping people, especially in this COVID-19 pandemic. All right, the government has been no- done nothing but him and haw about mask mandates. I'm talking about local governments, state governments. Nobody really knows what to do because this is a virus that we're still learning about. The government has helped no one. And I've, I'm of the mind that you, the individual, need to assess your own risk level and live your life the way you want to live it. But the government is here to help. Well, well, just how much are they helping this time? Well, they're going to give you half as much money as they gave you back in March. But now Donald Trump's saying, well, no, no, we want to give you twice as much money. Like, shouldn't these details have been worked out way before? And in, in, again, you know, it's, it's all kind of like, who, the, who is the government able to help? I mean, you've got this giant beast of a federal government, bloated government that spends too much money. You don't have a lean, flexible entity that can maybe help those who need it versus maybe leaving people like me alone. And, and that's just it. Uh, look, and, and let me just, I'll, I'll lay it on out there. I don't need any coronavirus relief. My family, thank God, has not been financially impacted by COVID-19. I'm lucky. There are people who have been, and I'm all about helping those people. But the government cannot do that efficiently or effectively. They just say, oh, yeah, one size fits all. Give everybody, I don't know, $600, which feels like a slap in the face when you've got mega churches, you've got political PACs, you've got politicians who are tied to businesses who got millions and millions of dollars in uh, PPP loans and grants and aid that, hey, oh, I know you've probably been out of work. Uh, Your business has been shut down or reduced to 25% capacity, say, if you're a restaurant owner. Uh, We'll give you $600. Now, look, I don't think the government should be uh, mortgaging the future of the country to give everybody $600. I don't think it's a good idea. The one-size-fits-all nature of this relief bill is bad. It's, it's, it doesn't take into consideration uh, things that uh, the, 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 what the future might hold for this country. 
I mean, you're spending another trillion and another trillion to do what? To give somebody 600 bucks? That's not going to go very far. And, and again, these politicians are really out of touch with what it costs to run a household because $600 is not going to get you very far. It's not going to make that big a difference. And you're giving it to people who don't need it. Now, I'll gladly take it. In this coronavirus relief package, which I think is still being debated, Donald Trump says uh, he'll sign it. He did sign it. But now they're going to debate whether or not to have a $2,000 payment uh, versus a $600 payment. Either way, that money is probably for a lot of people who need it. It's already spent. And then it's being given out to, to people like me who don't need it. And you could say, Jake, you're being self. Why don't you just donate the money and help somebody else? Well, who says I won't? Number one, will I? Huh? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe I'll just go buy something nice for my family. Maybe I'll just do what I do with most of my money and put it in the bank for a rainy day. Say, if I am, oh, uh, God forbid, uh, affected by the pandemic financially. So it just you see where it gets it. It gets pretty messy when you try to apply this one size fits all approach to a country as as uh, wide and varied as this one with 315 million people. But you know when you do the math, it gets fishy, doesn't it? You start saying, okay, look, you got a trillion dollar, nine hundred billion dollar stimulus package, and you're going to give every individual six hundred dollars. What what are you doing with the other one point four trillion? Uh, when you talk about, it, I, I think it's something like uh, two point three trillion. It's fifty five hundred, fifty six hundred pages long. Where's the rest of the money going? Why can't the government ever just address the one problem? There's one the one problem that you need to address. Why can't they just? pass clean bills why is there so much other spending attached if if the government gets together and says something like we need coronavirus relief for individuals we need to give everybody six hundred dollars or twelve hundred dollars or two thousand dollars why does the bill have to be fifty six hundred pages long why is it fifty six hundred pages long what could possibly be in those fifty six hundred pages that only address the needs of individuals and maybe businesses. Well, here's what's in it, or was in it. Maybe it's still being debated. Maybe Donald Trump's signature is conditional on whether or not they, they clean out some of this pork. As drafted, this coronavirus bill not only gave $600 per adult and $600 per child to those eligible, there was $15 million dollars not less than 15 million shall be made available for democracy programs and not less than 10 million shall be made available for gender programs in Pakistan. That's right. Gender and democracy programs in Pakistan somehow makes it into a COVID relief bill aimed at helping Americans financially impacted by the pandemic. Explain that to me. Explain how anybody sitting around a table when you are trying to solve a problem with restaurants being shut down, service industry being shut down, people losing jobs, people needing financial help. 
Explain to me how that even gets brought up without that person being kicked out of the room. You, sir, are not serious. You, sir, need to leave. Or ma'am, whatever the case may be. Maybe you need to enroll me in a gender program so I can tell the difference. Uh, Here we go. Funds for resource study of Springfield, Illinois race riot of 1908. I guess in Springfield, there was a race riot some 112 years ago that needs to be studied. And they need government money in order to study it. And that government money to study that race riot from 112 years ago needs to come from a coronavirus relief package. Uh, We've got a statement of policy regarding the succession or reincarnation of the Dalai Lama. I'm not sure what financial ties uh, that has, but I'm not sure why it's in that bill. Uh, We've also got a commission tasked with educating consumers about the dangers associated with using or storing portable fuel containers for flammable liquids near an open flame. That's, I, I guess there is some financial obligations to making sure people don't know not to put their gas cans near a fire. Th- those people are beyond helping. Uh, we've got $40 million allocated for the necessary expenses for the operation, maintenance, and security of the Kennedy Center, which received $25 million in the other COVID Relief 19 bill. What is all this stuff? 5,600 pages. The bill should be one page. One page, one sentence. You could just have a one-sentence bill, clean. Nobody would turn it down. Nobody would vote against it. The, and, and here's the difference between people in Washington. A lot of grandstanding. You know, Rand Paul, every year he airs his Festivus uh, grievance, the airing of the grievances for Festivus, and it's all about wasteful government spending. Now, on this bill, Senator Rand Paul, pointed out that there's too much pork, too much waste and abuse in this bill. I'm not voting for it. Conversely, AOC, she says, hey, they gave us this bill. It's 5,600 pages long. They gave us two hours to review it. This is, this is a scam, but I'll go ahead and vote for it anyway. <laughs> it's like, what, what is going on? I, I hope more, more and more people wake up to all this. Um, uh, People do need relief. Uh, I would love there to be a way for people to show that they have been financially impacted by the pandemic and therefore they get relief. Um, Maybe even in a program where they pay it back over time. Uh, Maybe, uh, maybe there's an opt out. Maybe you settle up on your next tax return. There's got to be a better way to do this, but the government doesn't know a better way. They don't know a better way, and they're not going to help you. So Donald Trump is going to sign the bill or already has. Uh, he could probably change his mind and veto it because uh, they're, they're debating now whether to change the payments to $2,000. I, I would probably get something like five or six grand in, in my household, which I'll gladly accept because you know what? It's my money anyway. This is not free money. This is your taxpayer dollars, and we're getting deeper in debt running higher deficits, and it's it, you got to pay for it sometime. You got to pay the piper. All right, I mean that's and that's really where we are uh, here in the dead zone. You've got the pandemic relief bill with all the pork attached. Hopefully, they'll get all that worked out. Why just, just sign a clean bill? And I think that's I think most Americans 
a Democrat, Republican, or other ask the same questions all the time. Why can't you just why can't you just address the one problem at a time and and leave the gender programs for another day? Maybe maybe uh, move that down the list of priorities. All right, so here we are. I, I'm not going to disappoint you with uh, dead zone content absent a little bit of a 2020 year in review. Here we are in the final days of the worst year ever. I do want to get into you know some of those we lost, uh, not to get not to bring it down too far, uh, and the and the differences between uh, those we lost and those whose time came. We'll do that next right here on Tony Katz today. Nation of Jake in for Tony Katz here on a couple of dead zone shows. Monday, December twenty eighth, year of our Lord at twenty twenty, the worst year ever. Depending on who you ask, I think really it's the worst year ever for a lot of people because. It's been pretty bad. I mean, amid the the pandemic, obviously, is is the number one bane of our existence in this year. But this has been the worst year in the social media era where everybody can share why it's so bad. Uh, 300,000 some odd deaths from COVID-19. That's pretty bad. It's pretty awful. Uh, again, uh, with this kind of virus, you really don't know what success looks like you know they're talking about the models of millions dead is 300,000 dead a win I I don't I don't know if you can really ever classify it like that uh in good faith uh it's been definitely a tragedy but they say in the old saying as it goes you know one death is a tragedy a million deaths is a statistic and I really really dislike when we talk about deaths as a statistic, because everybody who died from from COVID-19 or anything else related, uh, they have families, they have loved ones, they had a life, they are individuals. Uh, a, a story last week uh, that hit me pretty hard was a radio show host in Memphis uh, suffered a broken ankle and as a result, I think, had a blood clot and as a result, suffered a heart attack. He was unable to get into an emergency room in the immediate area and had to go 100 miles and he died on the way. Awful story that hits very hard. This was a guy I didn't work directly with, but we worked in the same radio scene in a very sad story. So when you just talk about death in the aggregate, it discounts you know how important it is on the individual level. And also in 2020, you know we've had a lot of uh, individual deaths that have hit hard. And you know I don't really get. Are really upset about celebrity deaths. I mean, I, I there are people that I know, people that I value, uh, who who deserve more of my emotions and my my attention uh, that are, are having a tough time or, or or who are sick or who we've lost. Uh, that said, you you can't help but really get a little bit, I guess, pensive or, or thoughtful about about some of these these deaths that we've experienced. It seems like maybe it's because of the pandemic has exacerbated everything, uh, some of these celebrity deaths. And and with that, uh, you, you look through lists of, of people we lost in uh, the year 2020, there's a big difference between losing someone and then it being someone's time. And and I know that you might be splitting hairs there, but, you know, Kirk Douglas, we lost here in 2020, or, or better said, uh, his time came because he was 103 years old. Is it, 
you can you can you get really sad about Kirk Douglas die and the guy lived to be 103. I mean, I think that if you're over 75, you're on borrowed time. I don't care how healthy you are. You've lived a long life. So when I read about, you know, Ruth Bader Ginsburg having passed away in their, her 80s or anybody who's in their 80s, I'm like, wow, number one, you are a person of note. You are somebody who has lived a life and people know who you are and you've been either celebrated or known. Um, 82 is a good run, right? 82. I used to think 60 was super old and now I'm 42 years old. Just last week, I turned 42, and I'm like, 60? I'm knocking on the door. 60 will be here before I know it, and that ain't old. My dad's in his 60s, and my dad's like the same powerful 40-something guy who used to you know, scream at me about you know cleaning my room or wrecking cars. I'm scared to death of the man. Still, he's almost 70. So, yeah, it gets, it gets, gets kind of plays with your mind, does time. I think with regards to celebrity deaths this year— uh, there have been a few that have hit me hard for different reasons. Uh, Kobe Bryant uh, dying earlier this year in January in a helicopter crash because he's my age. Uh, Chadwick Boseman with his uh, battle with colon cancer because he's about my age. And also Eddie Van Halen because of his impact on me is, you know, musically. Oh, we'll get into more of that a little bit later, maybe a lot later. Coming up this vaccine, I'm telling you, groundbreaking stuff. It doesn't work the way you think it might work. It's coming up next on Tony Katz Today. Nation of Jake in for Tony Katz on Tony Katz Today, December 28th. It's like the first day of the dead zone, the week, the work week, the five days that you kind of hang out between Christmas and New Year's. Hope you had a good one uh, hope you didn't get consumed with any news. Hope you were able to unplug. I was. I'm getting caught up today on all the news. I'm doing my best to bring you top-notch radio content uh, during your dead zone days. All right, so it was November 9th, and I remember because I was at a doctor's office just getting a checkup when I read about this coronavirus vaccine that was deemed 95% effective uh, by Pfizer, and then later Moderna uh, had a vaccine similarly effective, 95 or so percent. Most vaccines are not that potent. Most vaccines are 60, 70, 80 percent effective, maybe. I think 40 is what I've read. And most vaccines work in a particular way. And if you've ever read about it, you know that traditional vaccines work in that they take a weakened or dead strain of virus, inject it in you, and your body creates the antibodies to go and attack that virus. But the virus that they inject, it will, won't hurt you. It won't give you the flu. It won't give you, well, usually won't. There have been cases where it has. There have been allergic reactions. There have been bad reactions to vaccines before, and that's going to happen. But the game here is to get as many people vaccinated and then uh, immune to a virus. Well, I was doing a little bit of reading in my downtime over the holiday, and I was reading about how this vaccine works, this uh, vaccine that has been approved now from uh, Pfizer and Moderna. And, and this, this vaccine has come out very quick, and I'd like to point out that the vaccine was not 
developed this quickly because of any government program. All right, Operation Warp Speed, it, it helped in that it broke down a lot of the bureaucracy and red tape that these drug companies usually have to go through. And you can, they can sit there and say, Operation Warp Speed was a success. Well, Operation Warp Speed was an absence of regulation. It wasn't a regulation itself. The government did very little except for get out of the way, which is basically how government can help in most realms. Just get out of the way. Stop helping us. That said, I was digging into some of the nuts and bolts of how this vaccine works, and it works with something called messenger RNA. And as you know, uh, RNA stands for ribonucleic acid, all right, because DNA is deoxyribonucleic acid. You knew that's like a spelling demon back in seventh grade. So this messenger RNA is not the virus. They're not injecting you with the virus at all. This is a virus you probably don't want to be injected with. It's a virus we don't know much about. So what they decided to do instead, these brilliant people who are so often uh, hamstrung by the government when they're actually trying to develop this stuff, they came up with this idea. We're going to inject people essentially with a warrant, an arrest warrant, not for coronavirus, because you might not have it. It's, a, it's to, to prevent against you getting coronavirus. What they observed and what they found out is that COVID-19, this virus, it is surrounded by a certain protein when it enters your body. It kind of rides on the back of a protein. So what they said was, here's what we'll do. We will inject people with some instructions on how to identify and then defeat this protein that is always present with coronavirus. It's like an arrest warrant for known associates or like a smuggler or coyote who, who brings the coronavirus into your body. Think, think about that for a second. Traditionally, we would just take a weak and dead virus, inject them, and your body's going to build up. Uh, your immune system's going to build up a defense to that virus. But now, no, 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 no. We're going to inject you with the instructions to tell your body, tell your immune system that that's not a virus. That's a guy who hangs out with the virus. You're going to beat him up because then your, your body can build up an immunity to that protein or launch an attack on that protein. So, so now, if the virus mutates, if the virus, in what they're saying, yes, there's like a new strain of it, you know, that's more contagious or whatever, they are saying that they have, have built a vaccine that is programming your body to attack a, the, pro, the, the protein that, that hangs out with coronavirus. So it, it could be effective against different strains of the virus, provided that the virus is using the same protein. So, I mean, it's just, it, there was a great Twitter feed, uh, Wheat and Oil on Twitter, and this is a doctor who is, who is, is hanging out, got some downtime, has had a lot of questions as to how, how, this, how this vaccine works. You know, what is messenger RNA? And he did a great job on December 17th, you know, some you know, 11 days ago, of, of explaining it. So it, essentially, like I said, your body needs the time to build up the immunity to a virus. 
So when you get the virus, your body immediately, that's why you get fevers and that's why you get sick, is your body is using all these resources to attack it. It's trying to heat your body up to, to fight off this virus. That's why you get fevers. But it's, sometimes you don't have the time because it does take the time, right? So if you, COVID could overtake you in, in the time that your, your body would need to fend off the virus itself. But they're like, no, we don't even have to, we don't even have to attack the virus. We can just attack this jerk, this protein. Essentially, ah, we, we, know, we know where there's smoke, there's fire. We know where there's this protein, there's coronavirus. Uh, we will just go ahead and attack this protein. But they're not even injecting you with that protein. They're just injecting you with the instructions on how to do it. And that itself will disappear. The instructions, once your body reads the instructions, it's like it, uh, it self-destructs. Like the old, the old messages from Inspector Gadget. This message will self-destruct. Boom, all the old spy shows. So the message self-destructs. Your body has the instructions. Your body starts building up the attack on this protein whenever it sees it. This is the protein that is uh, letting the virus in. This is the, 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 the guy who harbors the terrorist virus. So I, I read stuff like this, and it makes me think uh, we can do anything. And, and why haven't we before taken this approach? I mean, well, sometimes you have to be presented with the challenge in order to meet it. And you have to have the shackles taken off. You got you say, hey, untie my hands here. And that is what Operation Warp Speed did. It's not the money. You know, Pfizer, when they announced their vaccine was coming out and was 91, 95% effective, they, they said, hey, we didn't take any money from Operation Warp Speed. They wanted to be very clear that, hey, we weren't a part of Operation Warp Speed. And then they quickly had to recant and say, okay, we were part of Operation Warp Speed in that Operation Warp Speed, it, it untied their hands. All of the, the things that the FDA uh, that the federal government mandated. And again, some of these things are very necessary. I, I, I don't think that the government should just let these drug companies do whatever they want, experiment on whoever they want, and release something that's unproven. And I don't think it's in the best interest of any drug company to do that. But how many of these regulations now that we see were unnecessary? And how many vaccines, how many medications... How many treatments have been uh, delayed due to unnecessary government regulation? So if there's any you know, real silver lining to the pandemic, and then the, you, could, you could say there are, have been a few. Uh, this, this has got to be one of the biggest ones, is that we're seeing, number one, new treatments. Uh, number two, a, a new way of, of vaccinating people against uh, viruses without having to inject them with a strain of the virus. Because, you know, you, you, you think about the traditional way of doing vaccines. I'm not saying that you should abandon that altogether. If it's effective, it's effective, and it works. But how many times have we seen, oh, you get the flu shot, and then this new strain of the flu, like a swine flu or a pig flu or a avian flu comes out and then renders the old uh, tradi- traditional way of vaccinating people uh, useless. It nullifies that vaccine. So they got to keep coming up with different ways, isolate a virus, a dead virus, weakened uh, a version of it, and hope that your body reacts the right way. They're just injecting you with the instructions on what your body needs to do to attack a known associate of a virus. That is 
so far beyond. It really is. Like anything that, I, I mean, where do you start? Uh, again, I can't wrap my, my brain around it. My brain doesn't work that way, and I'm not trained as an immunologist or a, a vaccine maker. It's not my trade, but I really love to read about this stuff because there are so many smart people who need to be working on this stuff and need to be free to try whatever they need to do. And that sometimes, again, you, you just need to be presented with the challenge in order to know you can overcome it. I'm, I'm hopeful. I, I will, when I'm able, I will get the vaccine. Seriously, just based on how brilliant the people are that made it. I, I don't care what it does. I mean, listen, I, I was hoping that whatever vaccine came out, that there was like a 10 to 12% chance that you would get lizard powers. Like you'd turn into a lizard person. I think that would be cool. And there's a lot of people out there who have lost limbs who would like to regenerate. But, but again, only, only my mind goes there. And I guess Bolsonaro, the president of, of Venezuela, is it? The Venezuela, uh, the Brazil. That's right, Brazil. That guy, he, he says that the COVID-19 vaccine can turn you into a crocodile, which I don't think, I mean, hopefully it would, but it, I don't think it's going to happen. But no, that, that, that kind of stuff, if you're into science, if you're into really just, if, if you're an interesting person and you like interesting things, I mean, that should blow your mind. What they were able to do in such a short time revolutionized the way that a vaccine is made and how it works within the, within a year from February to December to really November. That is unbelievable. That There are very few things in this world that make you say wow anymore. But that should. You should read. Whoever did this, the team that worked on this, they... they you won't know their names, but they are heroes. These are brilliant people, brilliant people, and that's beyond anything really in, in science fiction. Like, it's, that's great. I, I am wowed by it. Have I conveyed how, how wowed I am by it? Tell you what I'm going to do. I, I'm going to do my part to save lives. Now, I'm not a vaccine maker. I'm not an immunologist, but I am going to save your life. Okay, I'm going to save two and a half hours of your life with a movie review on the much maligned but somehow defended Wonder Woman 1984. I watched it on Christmas Day. I'm going to do my best to give you a spoiler-free review on this film and hopefully save your life or two and a half hours of it. We'll do that next on Tony Katz Today. I like Wonder Woman. I'm not a misogynist. Wonder Woman is a cool character, man. When I was a kid, Linda Carter did a great job in the role. She played it with such heart. And man, she was fun to look at. And it's not because I'm sexist. No, I really like Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman. She looks the part. She's all right in the role. But I watched that Wonder Woman 1984 on Christmas Day on HBO Max. I mean, it's a new way of doing movies here in the pandemic. As we discuss uh, Dead Zone activities and the holidays here on Tony Katz Today, Nation of Jake in for Tony Katz on a couple of Dead Zone shows here Monday and Tuesday with you. Thanks for being here. I appreciate it. But yeah, look, Ari Castle, I got together with my family and my sister's family on Christmas night, and we watched Wonder Woman 1984. I was hoping for just action montages set to synth pop 80s music. I was hoping for fun, and it wasn't that. First, The first thing I noticed about the film, and this is the first thing people notice about any content you see on screen, on your phone, is how long it was. 
the movie, the first thing that happens, a little timeline on the bottom of your screen when you stream something is how long it is. Two hours and 31 minutes was how long Wonder Woman 1984 ran. Two hours and 30 minutes. You better be telling an epic tale for the ages if you're demanding two hours and 30 minutes of my time. The Marvel guys got away with it in Infinity War and Endgame because that was the culmination of 20-some-odd movies. They did a great job of holding my... It was worth it to me. That was the epic tale split into two parts. I'm for it. This was a sequel to probably your least bad franchise in the the DC world. That's really what it was because the first Wonder Woman wasn't great. It was okay. It was just less bad than the Superman and Batman turds they had released. And it was cool. It was neat. Again, Gal Gadot does a, a great job with the role, and and she's she's so striking and she's so pretty. So yeah, I, I gave it a chance. Chris Pine was great in the first Wonder Woman. This film was just a clunky disaster. Number one, too long. All right. And again, I'm not going to give away any spoilers. Let's just say if it takes you two and a half hours to tell a story, you're probably telling the wrong story. And to that, the plot was really dumb. Just the whole plot mechanism. Like, I didn't know anybody's motivations, really. It took me a long time. And Ari Castle, we've, we've consulted on this. It took way too long into the movie for them to reveal what the motivations were, how everything worked. Yeah. I mean, it's like... It was I mean, it it was it was a mess. Yeah, see, at, at first, you know, Ari and I like to just have a little powwow about stuff. Ari was saying it wasn't that bad. It's not no, as bad as people were saying. No, it's not. You uh, you and Tony you, do this all the time. I said no. it was bad. It wasn't as bad as you guys are all saying it was. That's what I just said. You said, Ari I said, said it wasn't. That, it wasn't that bad. That implies that it was so okay. And it was no. But now, no. Here's the thing, though. As we've discussed it, I, I've. I have I've kind of taken off you that you are kind of conceding that yeah it was as bad as people are saying no 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 it, it people it are was. saying it was the worst movie in the history of movies and it wasn't that's not true I, I watched it that's I'll never silly. I'll never watch it again correct it was well here's here's the here's the interesting thing when movies are just simply bad people just go okay that was forgettable like uh, Thor the Dark World yeah. and nobody. Thor, Thor the Dark World wasn't good. No, that was but, that's a good example. But nobody bags on it. Like, I didn't want to run to the rooftops to tell you how bad that movie was. Like, I didn't want to save you from the 90 uh, to 100 minutes that it took to watch that movie. Like, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't feel like it was my duty to go out and save that part of your life. When I watched Wonder Woman 1984... I was like, oh, I got to tell everybody how bad it is so they don't make the same mistake I did. That feels a bit extreme. Well, you know what? I, did, I didn't like the villain either. Or no, the I agree. But like to make terrible? it your, mis- your mission now is no, to No, no, no. Not my mission. Not my mission, but just like a courtesy tweet and it wasn't, here and there. It wasn't bad enough for me to do that. Uh, I, I don't know. It was, it was really bad. The villains weren't good. And I got to thinking about this. Like, you got to have a villain. I mean, even you got to have a villain that people know and that people can hate. But I just don't think that you had that villain. The villain in the movie was Donald Trump. A That's what they did. Man. They took they took Max Lord, who I guess is a is a legit villain of of Wonder Woman. I don't know much about the Wonder Woman's uh, arch rivals. They just turned it into Donald Trump. So it kind of had that feel too. It was just kind of tired. So I don't know if you have to just see if you have to then go do it. But I would I would advise against it. 
Coming up, there was a big bombing in Nashville on Christmas, seemingly that nobody even noticed. And this was a huge explosion. We'll find out who did it and, more importantly, maybe why. Next on Tony Katz Today. Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Welcome to the Dead Zone. Nation of Jake in for Tony Katz on Tony Katz today. TonyKatz.com, 833-GOT-TONY. If you have to reach me on the phone, uh, better yet, at Nation of Jake on Twitter. That's the best way to get in touch with the program here in the Dead Zone. I feel like I should have some echo on my voice. When I say the Dead Zone, I'm not talking about the Stephen King novel. I'm not talking about the 1983 adaptation starring Christopher Walken, however, is a great one. I'm talking about the week between Christmas and New Year's. Not usually a lot going on for people. Your business is probably shutting down, getting ready for 2021. If you're at work, you're probably not getting a lot done. This is not the the week to take vacation. Don't burn your vacation on the dead zone week. Because honestly, you know what people are doing at work? They're just listening to Tony Cass today. Online or on the radios. So listen, you just have some fun. Uh, relax a little bit. Just let me do the work here in the dead zone because I am committed to going full force, even on a week where nobody else seems to want to. Hope you had a good Christmas. Hope you enjoyed time with your family. Uh, you know, if you are uh, not a celebrator of Christmas, I hope you enjoyed your Chinese food because those are the only places that are open on the Christmas and Christmas Day, Christmas Eve, whatever it was. I woke up Christmas morning. I had a great time. I got my kids some gifts. Santa brought them those hoverboards. You know what I'm talking about? You know, kids get on the little... Somehow, little kids are really good at it. A a low center of gravity. My kids hopped right on their hoverboards and started zipping around doing circles and and jumping off ramps. I was impressed. Uh, I got a pair of shoes, uh, so I was happy with my, my new kicks. And so I hope you had a good one, too. However, this did strike me as very odd. You know, in the... In the few moments I had between, you know, putting together uh, Christmas gifts and, and, and getting batteries together, doing the dad stuff on Christmas, I got a notification on my phone that the city of Nashville, Tennessee, had been bombed. And I was wondering why I didn't get notifications from, from every news outlet. I was wondering why it wasn't all over the TV. I was wondering why... All my friends in Nashville, and there are a considerable amount, because everybody in the world is moving two places. They're moving to Texas, and they're moving to Nashville, Tennessee. That's where people are going. Uh, I, was, I was wondering why it wasn't as big a story as, as it should have been. I mean, we're talking about a huge bomb that damaged 40 buildings right in downtown Nashville. Maybe it's because, thankfully, it's because uh, there were few injuries— and no deaths at the time. Uh, it was an empty downtown uh, kind of business district. So when you when you think about it, why would somebody bomb an area of downtown on Christmas morning when there's not going to be anybody around to hurt or kill? Again, don't get me wrong. I'm glad that there were a few injuries and no deaths other than the remains they found who they are saying now 
was the bomber. Uh, it was an RV, recreational vehicle, parked in the downtown area of Nashville, Tennessee. And I guess it was, it was uh, broadcasting some sort of message to get out of the area. So I guess people either heeded the warnings or they just weren't there in the first place. Now, the bombing happened uh, right across from an AT&T facility where there was some sort of equipment for their networks. So you, you, you may have to deduce then that the goal of this bombing in Nashville was not to hurt people, but to take out uh, some AT&T equipment, uh, which is, is odd. It's a, an odd object of your ire and derision uh, to go out and, and bomb that unless you got some beef with AT&T. You know, maybe you were billed for overages that you didn't think you should have been billed for. I think it goes deeper than that. Uh, the, the investigation is ongoing, but investigators are looking for any and all possible motives for the explosion after identifying the bomber as one Anthony Quinn Warner. All right. And so I, I guess the few people that were paying attention to this story, and again, odd, uh, a bombing in the middle of a major American city taking out 40-some-odd buildings, injuring people, and shout-out to those uh, first responders and officers who, who cleared the area and were able to save lives, and they did just that. They saved lives for real. Uh, hats off to them. Uh, so, again, thankful that nobody was, was seriously injured uh, other than the, the guy who set the bomb off. A, a major explosion in Nashville, and it, was, it wasn't like the number one top story that people were talking I saw more people who were upset about how bad Wonder Woman was on Christmas than I saw people talking about this bombing. Uh, but we, we do know now it was this uh, Tony Warner fellow. Uh, why he did it, I don't know. I've read rumors that this was a guy who was kind of a 5G truther and one of these guys who thought that you know, 5G is going to give you cancer or 5G is a way for the government to control you. Uh, maybe he's one of these guys who thinks that the vaccine for coronavirus is going to inject you with a microchip that's going to allow the 5G networks to take over your brain. Uh, it, he may have thought these things, but again, they're looking for the, the motives. Uh, the early Christmas morning explosion uh, damaged more than 40 buildings. Uh, the RV involved was broadcasting a female voice warning to evacuate with a countdown clock mixed with the song Downtown. Uh, after being informed about the warning, Nashville police officers immediately sprang into action, evacuating the area. Uh, they are looking, again, for any and all possible motives. Now, in, in light of, of this type of event, uh, the first thing people want to do is blame whoever they dislike. That's, that's what everybody does, whether it's a mass shooting, whether it's a bombing, some sort of attack. Everybody waits and secretly or not so secretly hopes that it's somebody from the opposite political side as them. And if and when you do that, I'm not going to say you're a bad person, but I'm going to say that is a bad thing to do. Because in a way, you're hoping. You're hoping you can blame people who are not involved. That's really what it comes down to. I saw tweets some tweets say, oh, this has to be right-wing, white, cisgendered male violence. And then I saw other people say, oh, this has to be uh, Antifa. This has to be, and you're like, well, you don't know what's wrong with waiting until the facts come out. 
we don't like to do that anymore. We we don't we like to speculate. We like to get. In fact, a lot of people like to get on the Twitter and Facebook and just lie about it. Go, oh yeah, this guy was a hardcore Trump supporter. Well, in in actuality, this guy didn't have a social media presence, and nobody knew his political leanings. Uh, the, the the neighbors saying he was a hermit. Uh, Steve Schmidt, I should say Schmoltz, lived next door to Anthony Quinn Warner since 2001, so a better part of 20 years. Uh, Schmoltz's wife has lived in the house since 1995, so we're talking about a better part of a quarter century that these these folks have have lived next to uh, Tony Warner. He says he's lived there a long time. He sort of kept to himself. All we knew him by was Tony. He was kind of a hermit. Many of these guys who go out and commit these acts are hermits. Uh, little about them is known. Uh, on Friday night, Schmoltz said his wife noticed law enforcement trucks outside Warner's home. As the couple sat down to have coffee on Saturday morning, his wife said she saw a SWAT team outside. So I guess they uh, identified his remains. There was video of this explosion. Um, I guess police officers, obviously, when they were clearing the area, they took down the license plate number, the make and model of the RV. Uh, They traced it back to Anthony Warner's backyard uh, that had been on the property, um, but not in the past few days. I guess it was being outfitted with explosives. Uh, People are saying he was a nice guy. He was a quiet guy. They didn't suspect anything. And that's, that's where you are on this, is that you know who did it, but... Why did he do it? Uh, you know, we can we can probably take the logical jump, say he was not trying to hurt people. If he was trying to hurt people, he would have gone into a populated area in a downtown Nashville, which was 12 miles away from where he was in Antioch, Tennessee. And, and I've been to the area. I'm from Tennessee. I was born in Memphis. I've spent a lot of time over in that part of the state in Nashville. Uh, so when, when you talk about the... Uh, geography of Nashville. Uh, he's in Antioch. He's outside. He's on the outskirts. It's more suburban, you could say rural, than uh, than than uh, cosmopolitan there in Antioch. But he he took it to downtown. The, the target had to be this this AT and T communications center that that how. And again, I was texting with my friends in Nashville. I didn't think any of them were hurt, but I was just texting with them for the holidays. My best buddy in the world, the lawyer, the Nashville lawyer, David. He, he lives he lives there in Nashville, and, and we were just texting about uh, how bad Wonder Woman was, and his phone cuts out, and I don't hear from him for a while. And then later, he's like, hey, man, the, the cell service here is jacked up because this crazy dude blew up his RV in the middle of downtown. But again, I, I think that the, the bigger picture here is is not the motive. It's not the bombing. It's how it really was just kind of like, oh, look, you hear about this bombing in Nashville? So nonchalant. Just kind of, it's kind of a number three, number four story. You know, nobody really, really had the reaction, whether it was on social media or just in your circles. I mean, uh, Ari Castle on Christmas morning uh, after what, what time did you hear about this bombing? Was it like later in the day? Like two days later, two days later, I guess because I was in Memphis for Christmas and it happened right down the road, eh, some two and a half hours, three hours down the road. And I've got people in Nashville. I heard about it. Uh, almost immediately, but you're saying it was like two days before you even read a story about it. Might have been more than that. I might not have heard about it till like this morning. This, really? Yeah, seriously. That 
Is it? D- does that not strike you as odd? Uh, <laughs> yeah, especially when I work in news and I'm supposed right. to know this kind of stuff. Even even guys like us who were always you know, keeping keeping uh, tabs on on news stories, you know, I I never know when I'm going to get called out out of the bullpen to to come in and and, and retire the side for Tony Katz on Tony Katz today. Uh, Nation of Jake on Twitter at Nation of Jake. I I never know when, so I always have to keep up with this stuff. I always I, I'm always scrolling through Twitter or getting notifications. I always I, I never want anything to escape me. But when I was when I saw this, I was like, oh, bombing in Nashville. Look, I guess, and again, thankfully, there were not many injuries. There were no deaths other than the guy who went out, set out to 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 kill himself in a suicide attack on some buildings in Nashville. Uh, just a just an odd story, and even weirder the reaction or non-reaction to it. Uh, I guess we'll find out more uh, if I had to guess, and and I don't like to speculate on this stuff. I think that this guy is uh, I think that he's uh, he's a nutball, and he I think I think it's going to come out that he is anti-technology. I think that he's one of those uh, you know, Ted Kaczynski types, you know, the Unabomber's whole thing. Was he thought we were getting too uh, technologically advanced, and he wanted to uh, bomb us back to simpler times? Again, I was in high school when all that happened, so I, I may be getting it wrong, but I'm pretty sure that the Unabomber's manifesto, he was uh, an anti-technology type. And listen, there's a lot of people out there, and again, like I laugh about it sometimes, the conspiracy folks who think that, you know, 5G is going to take over our brains and stuff and, and cause all kinds of problems. There are people who really believe this stuff. They they, they really believe it wholeheartedly. And uh, maybe maybe the loneliness, maybe quarantine got to him. Maybe he just figured he had to do something. But again, I'm glad that the target wasn't uh, a populated area with the people celebrating Christmas. He, If you're going to do a suicide bombing, do it in an empty place. Uh, in fact, if you're going to do it, just don't do it at all. Or just, just enough explosion to, to blow you to little bits. And, and not not kill other people. So, yeah, just a odd story all the way around. I mean, updates as they come in. I'll be I'll be uh, following this, and I'll actually I'll get on the phone with some people I know over in Nashville and, and find out maybe what they know, maybe if there's some word on the street, maybe some rumors unsubstantiated or otherwise floating around. But, yeah, just another odd story, bad story in a year of bad stories. Uh, 2020. People want to call it the worst year ever. I'm almost certain we could find some some other years that but weren't very good either. Uh, 1918 kind of strikes me as a year that I, I probably I'm glad I missed. Uh, 15, 10, probably a, a year I didn't want to be alive. I'd much rather be in 2020 than 15, 10. Uh, we'll get into some more year in review. Uh, those we lost, those whose time has come. Also, I want to get into this stimulus bill. That has been signed by the president and now is being renegotiated on the House floor. $600. How do you feel about that? How do you feel about millions of dollars going to places like Cambodia and Pakistan and for gender studies? And you get $600 as your take on this massive bill that has been signed by President Trump. We'll do all that and more coming up on Tony Katz today. As much as I love eagle-eyed cherry, I'm going to go ahead and quote a different rock juggernaut from the 90s, Jesus Jones, the great philosopher 
right here, right now, there's no other place I'd want to be. And that is true in a pandemic. 2020 is getting a real bad rap, and it has not been the best year. We've had a pandemic. We've had 300,000 deaths from said pandemic. We'd have, we'd have deaths of celebrities and influencers and people that we love uh, who've gone before their time. Uh, Kobe Bryant early in the year. Uh, Chadwick Boseman, uh, famous for being Black Panther. Wakanda Forever. Uh, he died I mean, way too soon. These guys were my age. They're 42, 43 years old. Uh, titans of rock and roll like Neil Peart, the drummer for Rush, and Eddie Van Halen, the guitar wizard. So it has not been a great year uh, because we've been living under this pandemic. But given the circumstances, I'd rather be here today than be alive during a pandemic or outbreak or epidemic in years past. All right. This year, a lot of people have been inconvenienced. Uh, Their livelihoods have been threatened. Um, It's varying degrees of bad. Uh, But we've we've been able to produce a vaccine. And by we, I mean really smart people who are not me. Uh, To produce a vaccine in less than a year that is groundbreaking with this messenger RNA technology. Uh, to go out and target a protein that accompanies the virus instead of having to to give people the virus in order to build up an immunity. Uh, so we, we're doing great things. And this year, again, has not been the best. But I'd rather be here during a pandemic now than be, say, in the 1870s in my hometown of, say, Memphis, Tennessee. I, I spent Christmas in Memphis, Tennessee, just east of Memphis, in a place called Germantown, and I'm always reminded of, of the history of Memphis when I go there. I think about what the city's been through and what a lot of people don't, don't think about when they think about Memphis. They think Elvis, you think a birthplace of rock and roll. Uh, you, you think about uh, hoops, maybe basketball, when you think about Memphis. <laughs> not, not so much this year, having a rough time of it, are the Memphis Tigers. Uh, there, there was a yellow fever epidemic in 1873, I believe. And Memphis at the time was a city of 50,000 people. Uh, now it's closer to a million. 50,000 people in 1873. There was a yellow fever outbreak, and it pretty much killed everybody. <laughs> everybody in Memphis either died or left. They did. They left. They said, hey, I'm getting out of here. This is gross. There's yellow fever everywhere. Uh, we can't work. We can't live. We can't drink the water. Um, things are probably bad enough in 1873, comparatively, uh, then, then to have a yellow fever outbreak that kills most of the city and those it doesn't kill flee the city, uh, maybe never to come back. I mean, it was a vibrant place and then yellow fever took it out. So I'll put 1873 on the list of years I'd rather not be during a pandemic than 2020. And, you know, look. 2021, it's not just going to magically get better. 2021 is going to come along in about a week, not even. On Friday, if, if my calculations are correct, they're not, they're just rudimentary calculations, but I believe that uh, Thursday, stroke of midnight, boom, we're in 2021. Nothing magical is going to happen on New Year's Eve or New Year's Day. Nothing magical is going to happen on January 6th when there's going to be the ratification of the Electoral College and I'm sure protests and marches 
disputing that with this election. On January 20th, uh, should the inauguration of Joe Biden happen as planned, nothing's going to change because of that. Uh, there, there are things that are consequential. Uh, I'm seeing it uh, where I am here now that I've relocated from Memphis to the Atlanta, Georgia area. We're in the middle of this runoff. Yeah. And we've got a big election for the Senate. Two runoffs. And I, I believe that Ari Castle, you spent some time in Georgia uh, in the in recent weeks. What did you what did you notice about uh, being in Georgia? That every commercial is a political ad. Every commercial is a commercial for or against Kelly Leffler, Senator Kelly Leffler, and her challenger Raphael Warnock. By the way, it sounds totally like Warlock, like he's a, a male witch. That said, man, we are getting inundated. That, I mean, that's it's it's overwhelming. Every commercial is about either David Perdue, John Ossoff, Raphael Warlock, or Kelly Leffler. And it's unbearable. Not only the commercials that you saw when you were spending uh, a vacation in the North Georgia mountains, Ari, uh, also the mailers. Oh, my God. I get postcards from these people every day, multiple mailers. And it's just like how, just because you raise all that money, I guess you got to spend it or give it back or lose it or something. Uh, right now, is it's it's a very odd time uh, to be around, alive, but I'll take it. I'll take 2020 over 1873, 1510, 1532, 1605. Any of those years were worse, even with the coronavirus pandemic hanging above us. Coming up, we've got coronavirus relief coming. Donald Trump, the president, has signed the bill, but now they're negotiating more. I thought that this was the end. We'll get into it next on Tony Katz today. I believe that I could draft a bill for coronavirus relief in about, I don't know, 10 minutes. I don't even need that long. I just need that long to, to make sure my printer's working. All right, it's always getting all jammed up or not talking to the network or, or whatever. And that's just how life is here working from the home studios of Nation of Jake and for Tony Katz. Uh, Tony Katz today here in the dead zone, just doing a little... You know, Christmas wrap, uh, pre-New Year's, a couple of shows in, uh, just a Monday-Tuesday jaunt on Tony Katz today on the far-flung Tony Katz Today Network. All right, here's what, here's what I would do. I would start with how much relief do we want to give people? Okay, you want $600, let us uh, you 2000 now the president says. You know what? Let's send Donald Trump out with a win. Let's give him the two grand per citizen that he wants to give out, and let's uh, do some rudimentary math. Let's just say $2,000 per person. Let's use $315 million as the population of this great country. I think it fluctuates. I hear $300 million, $315 million, $330 million. Let's just do some quick math. It's very simple. Let's start with $1,000 a person at 315 million people. All right, so uh, where we go? Last I checked, um, $1,000 million is a billion. So that would be $315 billion. Well, we're giving people $2,000. Let's go with $630 billion. There you go. That's $2,000 a person because that seems like the number everybody wants to throw around right now. So this bill should simply be for $630 billion, which 
relative to the kind of bills and packages they've been uh, uh, passing, it sounds like a, a bargain, doesn't it? Isn't that crazy how we talk about money nowadays? It used to be that a billion dollars was a lot of money. Oh, and then five hundred billion. Oh, why not? Then a trillion. Oh, then two trillion. Then two point three trillion. So yeah, you could give everybody in the country two thousand dollars at a price tag of six hundred and thirty billion dollars. But somehow this COVID relief package that the president has signed is worth two point three trillion. How in the world did you get to two point three trillion? Even if the relief at two thousand per head is six hundred and thirty billion, where's that other money going? Well, we, we we can go over it. Sure, it's the gender programs in Pakistan. It's all the all the foreign aid to places like Cambodia. It's all the bankrolling the Smithsonian, the Kennedy Center. It's all of these things uh, d- determining whether or not the Dalai Lama will be succeeded or reincarnated. All this stuff that has nothing to do with COVID relief is making its way in. And that's what they're fighting over. And then, and then you know, it's, it's as if people can't read. They see all these other things that are going into it and going, wait, and all I get is $600? I mean, number one, I'm not sure that we should be doing direct payouts to people uh, unless it's based on need. I mean, I'm telling you right now, I'm copping to it. I don't need the $600 per family member. It would come out to $2,400. I mean, think about that. If it's two grand per person, I got four people in the house and they're using my 2019 numbers. So I'm eligible for all of that. I would get a direct deposit of $8,000 that I do not need. Now, look, they're going to give it to me anyway. And ultimately, it's my money. So, yes, I will take it. Will I help people with it? Yes, I will help the four people who live in my house with it. I'm I'm a I'm a hoarder when it comes to money. I love money. Money's great. People who say money's not important, just, just quit talking to those people. You know, I know money's not everything. You know, it can't bring you happiness, whatever. Well, just a sidebar about money and people who say money's not important. I, I want you to think about what money is for a second. A money is a way that you and others quantify your work, your creativity your time because not everything we can barter. You know, I'm a radio host. I'm, I'm not out bartering my services. I'm not saying, yeah, Tony, I'll fill in for you. Uh, give me some food or cook me dinner or do, or give me some of that, uh, that bourbon or cigars. Cause I'm not in the market for that. So what, what, what we do is we come to an agreement and I get money and I like it. That's just how you do it. The, uh, the, the time I'm spending now, I'm quantifying somehow. With what? With money. With a dollar amount. Money is not the only thing, but it's pretty important. And when people tell me that money doesn't matter, all you're telling me is that you got nothing to offer in exchange for money. Because money is really important. In fact, you can make the argument that money because it quantifies your time and your creativity and your life and your work, that money is your life force. Yeah, I said it. Doesn't make me greedy. It doesn't make me Scrooge McDuck. As much as I'd love to swim in money, I would love it, although it'd be dirty. 
unsanitary, kind of gross. I, I, I get you just you you shouldn't do anything for money. Money shouldn't be the only thing, but it is pretty close. So when somebody says money's not important, it just, it just, just stop talking to those people. Those are the same people who told you that Wonder Woman 1984 was good and that you should watch it. See, that's not me. I'm the kind of person who looks out for you. All right, I'm giving you good life advice. Money's your life force. It is important. People who say it's not important, you should cut out of your life like a Scientologist would cut out a suppressive person. And I've taken to using the Scientology terminology because I've been watching a lot of documentaries about Scientology, thinking about joining up. I don't know. We'll see. That said, $2,000, if that's it, that, that's what the bill should be. The bill should be, okay, people need relief. Let's give them two grand a piece. I, I don't know how far you expect that to go, but it's something, yeah, look, if we could just give the money to the people who need it, who can show they've been financially impacted by the by COVID-19, maybe people, and it's really, here's what it gets uh, really, really messy, is that there have been very few federal mandates that places close. There have been very few federal regulations that say uh, restaurants can only have 25% capacity. It's all been state and local stuff, all right? So people in some states have been impacted a lot. People in other states, not so much. But because of the one size fits all nature of the federal government, they are unable to be lean and unable to be fluid and unable to administer different amounts to people who have been affected disproportionately because the federal government is a giant clunky leviathan that only knows how to do one thing, and that's force people to do stuff, force you to pay more taxes so we can then take that money and give a pittance to the people while giving $15 million to democracy and another $10 million to gender programs in Pakistan. What does the guy whose business is going under because the governor of Michigan won't let him operate his business, what does he care about gender programs in Pakistan? It sounds like a joke. It absolutely sounds like something written as a joke. As Ferris Bueller said, no, I had a test today. It was on European socialism. What's the point? I'm not European. I don't plan on being European. And who gives a crap if they're socialists? They can be fascist anarchists for all I care. It still doesn't change the fact that I don't own a car. That guy, what Ferris Bueller said in the shower when he was telling you about taking the day off applies to every guy out there who has not been able to open up his business or who is losing money and losing his life force because of the governor of Michigan or the governor of New York, of the mayor of New York, or, or wherever they're having these draconian measures where they should just be letting people, individuals, this country founded on individual liberty, to assess their own risk level and continue to do business, encourage masks if they help discourage giant gatherings if that helps but if somebody wants to go take the risk they should be able to take the risk oh the problem is they'll spread it to other people well yeah those people also need to assess their risk so so yeah it's all wrapped up wait people are funny when it comes to money all right it it really is but you know what i'll take the money i don't need it 
I'm taking it. You know why? Because it was mine to begin with. And if they are going to give money to gender programs in Pakistan, which I can barely even say with a straight face, or or whatever foreign aid to Cambodia, or uh, making sure that Dal- Dalai Lama is reincarnated, th- this stuff is so goofy. And now, instead of instead of saying, hey, look, clean bill for individual payments, clean bill for business loans, clean all individual stuff, You've got the president now trying to work with this turd of a bill because today the House of Representatives will now vote on a bill to send $2,000 stimulus checks in lieu of the $600 checks included in the stimulus package that Donald Trump signed last night. Uh, the, the vote today won't even address all the pork that's in the bill, the, the ridiculous list of gender programs in Pakistan, which is which has become like the flagship uh, waste and fraud and abuse in the bill. Uh, Donald Trump was was silent about the amount until after the bill was was passed. Now he's saying, nope, not enough. Two thousand dollars. Listen, Democrats will get on board. They will say, oh, yeah, yeah, listen, we, we need more money. We need to make people more dependent. We, we will spend ourselves into oblivion and bankruptcy, and we they won't think twice about it. Um, the, the Republicans now have to pivot uh, to post-Trump and start caring about the deficit and debt again. <laughs> and that's that's the truth about it, man. Oh, dude, I'm a, I'm a fiscal hawk, okay? If, if anything, I'm going to uh, I would have bag on Trump for spending too much money and being a big government Republican uh, like like the Bushes before him. Uh, they're, they are not fiscal hawks. Nothing libertarian about Donald Trump. Big government Republican. I look. I, I'm, I have no illusions. You know, Donald Trump was good for a lot of things, cutting taxes, getting conservative justices on the courts. That's great. But you know, bar a hail mary from this election fraud stuff that he keeps bringing up, he will not be president on January twentieth. And so, yeah, it's going to be a, a real funny watching all these guys uh, scramble and start caring about the deficit again. Because again, it's money. It's your money. It's your life force that they take every year. And, and we also need to stop this stuff about taxes being taken out of your paycheck. You got to cut a check. got Because then, because then this stuff will start mattering to people. All right. You know, all you do in your brain, they, they play this, this mind trick on you where you get your, your, your paycheck. And you've already factored in how much tax is going to come out of it. So you're seemingly okay with it. But if you had to write a check and actually come out of pocket for your tax bill every year, you, you'd be singing a different tune if you're one of these people who think we need to raise taxes. Ridiculous stuff. All right. Look, I'm not going to bag on Wonder Woman 1984 anymore. All right. I've, I've made some pointed comments. I have aired my grievances on Wonder Woman 1984. I do want to direct the focus back on a very familiar subject, especially between the great producer Ari Cashel and I on The Mandalorian. And and I know it's been a week or two, but that that finale, that took it up another level for me. And we will discuss that next, in addition to a few other uh, Dead Zone topics as we continue with Nation of Jake on Tony Katz today. I hope you're enjoying the post-Christmas festivities wherever you might be here in the Dead Zone. That's right, this week. It's just kind of a throwaway week. I mean, make the most of it if you can. 
If you're off spending time with your family, I get that. If you're at work, maybe you can find a way to be uber productive while everybody else is off. That's what I always like to do. I always like to work on this week when I when I worked a regular gig in an office because it was just a, a few stragglers. We'd take long lunches. We'd goof off on the internet. We'd, we would just have fun, but we didn't have to burn up our uh, PTO time or whatever they call it. So I uh, hope you're doing well. Hope Christmas was good to you. I did watch Wonder Woman 1984. I did not like it. I'll leave it at that. I will just say you should not watch it unless you like movies that are awful okay i'll just i'll just it's very simply put uh i think hardest hit in this film was the villain portrayed by pedro pascal and here's why all right he plays a villain named max lord and it's it's just a a caricature of donald trump really like uh, a latin donald trump uh pedro pascal sans mustache which is a bad look for him makes his face look massive it makes his whole head look massive. Maybe they did that because they wanted it to look just like Donald Trump. Really, the villain in Wonder Woman is Donald Trump. And Pedro Pascal had the misfortune of being cast as this villain. Because this guy's been on a roll. He really has. If you go back to Game of Thrones, where Pedro Pascal played Oberon the Viper, who, spoiler alert, gets his head crushed by the mountain. And it's a, it's a fantastic scene, and he's really great in it. That was kind of people started taking notice of old Pedro. Then he gets cast in Narcos, and he was the rock in Narcos. And Narcos follows the, the whole hunt, rise and fall of, of Escobar, Pablo Escobar. And he's one of the FBI agents, and he's fantastic in Narcos. And then his, his big mainstream break comes in The Mandalorian, where the guy does a great job with a helmet on his head. Uh, you barely see his face at all in The Mandalorian. And he does a great job with it. And then he runs himself into, oh, this is, this is the big break. This is the big superhero movie. He's going to be the villain. And it is a giant steaming pile. And, and he's, he wasn't given much to work with. Uh, that said, it's, it's kind of like a, a letdown after the high that The Mandalorian went out on. Now, just I've got a, a history with The Mandalorian. And Ari Castle, producer of Tony Katz today, you were from day one on board with The Mandalorian. Uh, yeah. I, I thought the, the first season was kind of boring. And, and I I'll told you by, to wait. I'll stand by that. It was kind of slow. It was slow to develop. And then I got to talking to some people, Ari Castle and my buddy uh, David the Lawyer from Nashville. And I, I kind of got a new perspective on it. It's like a old Western serial kind of show. Kind of a throwback. Well, the second season, it started to pick up, and I was in on it. And the way that they tied up the second season... And a lot of the characters that they introduced, I'm 100% on board. I, I, thought, I thought it was brilliant. And for those who have not seen it, you might want to duck out. Uh, the last episode, they brought, back, uh, the, they brought back Luke Skywalker. And it kind, of, it kind of tied it all together as far as the timeline and kind of where we are in the Star Wars universe. When you see a post-Jedi Luke Skywalker, come in, uh, a la his father, Darth Vader, in Rogue One, taking out all these dark trooper robots, crushing them with his force chokes and just, just slicing through them with, with lightsabers. And, and that was 100% inspired by the Rogue One sequence where you see why Darth Vader was so feared. I think that's what, what Star Wars had been missing, is you, you always heard in the original Star Wars trilogy all these stories about what these 
heroes had done, well, you saw them doing very little of it. You know, you, you always heard about these these uh, legends of the Jedi lore, but you didn't see them do it. They're showing all these stories that were referenced, and I think that's pretty cool. And I think Ari Castle would agree. I would. He does. He does agree. I knew he would. I'd set him up right for that. All right, I'm back tomorrow with another Dead Zone show. Nation of Jake on Twitter. In the meantime, if you got anything for me, hit me up on the Twitter. Until then, adios, amigos.